0: us. Lord, help us to be faithful to you. Lord, let our ministry, let our Christianity be an overflow of what you're doing in our hearts for your glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. If you would take your Bibles, if you would, and find your way to Second Timothy chapter one. one, second Timothy chapter one as we start a new series today in Second Timothy called Entrusted. If you don't have a Bible, I'd encourage you to grab one of the Black Bibles in front of you. You can find Paul's second letter to Timothy on page nine thirty-five of the Black Bibles as we are going to see what God's Word has to say to us as we're going to walk through this this book this fall. It's it's one of those great books in which um there are so many great lessons. My dad passed away five years ago at the age of 92. He saw a lot happen in his lifetime, including multiple wars, the rise of the computer age and technology. He saw the rise and fall of leaders, of presidents, of nations. He experienced deflation, deflation, inflation, recessions, depressions. He saw the dot-com bust, the housing crisis. He saw men land on the moon. He saw the nuclear family undermined by a social revolution. He built a large company all the while raising a family. In fact, he raised two families. After he raised our family, which went through a lot of tragedy, when he was in his 60s, his wife of five years died of cancer. And he ended up raising three more children under the age of 14. My father's experienced a lot. He saw a lot. And I must admit, I didn't always listen to what he had to say. But the older I got, the more I realized the value of the wisdom that he had born out of so many life lessons. And the closer he got to passing away, the more attention I paid to what he was saying Knowing that they might be the last time I would hear his words. I believe when Timothy received this letter from Paul, he may have felt the same way. Paul was his father in the faith. Timothy had spent a lot of time with Paul, learning from him, being discipled by him, seeing all that Paul had gone through. He must have wondered... Would he ever see or hear from Paul again? See, Paul wrote this letter from the Mamertine uh, dungeon in Rome. Paul wrote a lot of letters from prison, but many times, many of those letters were from when he was under house arrest, which, which we see talked about in Acts chapter 28. But once he, he was under house arrest for a couple years, but then he got out for a season, but then he went back into this dungeon. And this was during the time of Nero, sometime between 65 and 67 AD. Nero was, was, was probably the most despotic of, of, of all of the emperors, crucifying, just uh, persecuting Christians. The first time, Paul believed he would, he would get out. The second time, he knew he wasn't going to get out. Paul wrote this letter to Timothy when he was a pastor in Ephesus. And what he does is he encourages Timothy, despite all that was going around him, to keep his eyes on the Lord. Think about this. Paul is in a dungeon, a cold, dank dungeon. And his concern is about the churches that he's planted And about the ministries he started. He wasn't concerned about his own life. So he kept his eyes on the Lord. This is known as one of the pastoral epistles. You have 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. Letters written to pastors. Now, key theme, one of the key themes of 2 Timothy is the word entrusted. That's why we we name this series entrusted. Because Paul understood that he'd been entrusted with the gospel. He starts his letter even talking about that. He's been talking about the gospel. If you look down at verse 10 in talking about the gospel, he says in verse 10, and, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our savior, Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about all this next week who abolished death and brought life and immortality to life, to light through the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher. Which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. God had entrusted the gospel to him, the message of the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. Paul had been entrusted to it, to that, to that truth. And then he says this, verse 13, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. And then he says this, it's passing the baton. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. As God has entrusted me with the message of the gospel, now I am entrusting it to you and you guard the good deposit. In fact, if you look down at chapter two, verse two, he says this, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men, Who will be able to teach others also. We have been entrusted with the gospel. We've been given a gift. And so these are Paul's last words to Timothy. And it's a reminder that you've been entrusted with the gospel. Be faithful with it. He's calling us to be faithful with the gospel So Paul opens the letter with an encouragement. In fact, the big idea of the message is this today. If you're in Christ, you have reason to be encouraged. If you're in Christ, and I pray that you are in Christ, you have reason to be encouraged. Let's read, starting in verse 1. Follow along if you would. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father, and Christ Jesus, our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your uh, your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. If you're in Christ, you have reasons to be encouraged. Let me give you three. First, you are loved by God. You are loved by God. Now, if you look at verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Now we know that Paul and Timothy were very close. I mean, it, it would be like me writing to Brody and say, Brody, this is Bill, I'm your pastor. It's like, what? I know that. Paul would have, Timothy would have thought the same thing. So why does he introduce himself this way? Well, I believe it's because he's passing the baton, he's bestowing. Um, He's bestowing authority to Timothy. And so it was the benefit, not for Timothy, but for those who'd want to know by what authority Timothy was acting. So what does apostle mean? It's to be sent. It's one who's sent. It's a messenger. But also we know in the first century, an apostle was somebody that had been with Jesus. And we see in verse one that he was not an apostle by his own doing, but by the will of God, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and then he says this, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, he understood that his apostleship was a calling and it was all a result of the promise of the life that he has in Jesus Christ. This speaks of the new life that we have in Christ. It, it speaks of 2 Corinthians five seventeen, which says, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation, the old is gone. Behold, the new has come. God has bestowed promises upon him that he would have a certain different life. Let me ask you, do you have life in Christ? Do you have eternal life in Christ? Because you've turned from your sin and you put your faith and trust in the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. If you haven't, I pray that by the end of the day today, you will have. That you'll know that you know, without a doubt, that you're in Christ that you have assurance of eternal life. Now I said, be encouraged because God loves you. Where is that in the passage? Well, if you have life in Christ, it's because God does love you. In fact, we know that from Romans chapter five, verse eight. Look what it says. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died 2000 years ago. Most of you weren't born, if I'm not mistaken, but Christ died for your sins. Why? It was an act of love. He loves you. He sent his son, Jesus Christ to die for you. John three sixteen makes that very clear for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever should believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And we know that if we have the love of God in us, because he has bestowed his love upon us, there is nothing that can separate us from his love. If you were here last week, you, you, hear, you heard uh, one of our elders, Eric Tucker, preach from Romans chapter 8. Let me just put up what Part of the verse that he preached, it says, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, be encouraged. God loves you. Paul is writing to Timothy To remind him that God loves him. So when you read this, be reminded that God loves you. Now look at verse 2. Paul points Timothy to some evidences of God's love. He says to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. See, some some of the resources and some of the evidences of God's love is first off, grace. What is grace? It's God's unmerited favor. It's receiving what we don't deserve. See, we know that we deserve death. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. And, And when God gives us eternal life, it's a grace gift. We did nothing to deserve it. In fact, some of you may know of an acronym for, for grace. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. We've been given God's grace. Ephesians 2:8-9 reminds us that we are saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, lest Anyone should boast. It's a grace gift. And the fact is, if I mess up, if I fall, if I make a bad choice, if I sin and I will, I'm not out. Why? Because there's nothing I did to earn my salvation. There's nothing I can do to lose my salvation. I have God's grace. J.D. Greer, who's a pastor in North Carolina Summit Church, has written a number of great books. But one of them is called The Gospel. And I love this. I've been been reading this. We're going to have our staff and and leadership meet it. Our small group is going to read it. But but J.D. saw himself as somewhat of a legalist. And I think we all have a little bit of a Pharisee in us in some ways or we, not. We, we live for performance. And, and, and he's a, he realized that he needed to change that. So he started praying a prayer. And the first part of this prayer says this. Let me put it up. In Christ, there is nothing I have done that would make you love me more. And nothing I have done that makes you love me less. You know what that means? We can rest in God's love. And there will be times we mess up. So don't run from him. Run to him. And, and don't feel like you have to perform. Just rest in the goodness of who he is. Not only has he bestowed grace, but he's bestowed mercy. So if, if grace is receiving what I don't deserve... Mercy is not receiving what I do deserve. And I said earlier, what we deserve is God's wrath because of our sin. But because of our faith in Jesus Christ, He's given us grace and He's given us mercy. How many of you need mercy? Like today? Like, God is a just God because God is just. He, he has to punish sin, but Jesus went to the cross in our place, took the wrath that we deserve so we don't have to. Listen, for those who embrace Christ, we're no longer under God's wrath. But God grants us mercy. He grants us grace, be encouraged. But also he gives us peace, true peace. Lasting peace. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we are considered just before God because of our faith in him, in Jesus. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, before our faith in Christ, we're at enmity with God. Like, there is no peace. But in Christ, we have true peace. It's a great verse. It's an important verse. So... If you're in Christ, you have this promise. God loves you. Don't ever forget that. Live in, Wake up every morning being reminded that God loves you. Let that, let that truth be the thing that, that drives how you live, how you love. All right. Not only are you loved by God, but secondly, you're loved by your family. You're loved by your family. Look again at verse 2. He says to Timothy, my beloved child... Not only was Paul reminding uh, Timothy of God's love for him, but of his faith family's love for him. See, the minute you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you now have a new nature. You have a new family. You belong to the family of God. We are children of God. You know, some people say, well, we're all children of God. No, we're all creations of God. But you don't become a child of God until you become one of his through your faith in Christ. Paul was Timothy's father in the faith. Timothy looked at Paul as his father in the faith. He spent time with him. He poured into him. He discipled him. Listen to what, what Paul says about Timothy in Philippians chapter two. He says, he's speaking to the church in Philippi. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by the news of you. For I have no one like him. He stood out who will be generally concerned for your welfare for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But we know Timothy wasn't concerned about his welfare. He was just concerned about the message that were entrusted to him. He says, but you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. They had this close relationship. So he reminds Timothy that I loved him, that his church family loved him. Now, why was this so important? Because at this point, Timothy's been a pastor for many years. And he's feeling the weight of it. And and, and Ephesus was a a tough place to be a pastor. And, And maybe he's feeling alone. He's feeling distant. Some of you, maybe some of you students, feeling alone, feeling distant. But you have a family. You have a church family. A church family that loves you. Wants to connect with you. And so if you don't feel connected, let us know. We want to connect you. We, want to, we, we don't want you to feel separate and apart. Paul is reminding Timothy that he is part of a family that loves and prays for him. Look, look at verse 3. He says, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers day and night. We're a church that will be praying for you. Every time we get your prayer request, we're very intentional to pray. Now, I was thinking about some ways that if you feel disconnected to get connected. Because we're, we try to be intentional with that. One of the reasons we have coffee and donuts in the fellowship hall is not to make Dennis more money. It's, we want to have a place of fellowship where where you can get to know people. And I love our young adults that are in there meeting people. And I love just so many, so many of you that are just gracious. I mean, some of you like are the mayor of the fellowship hall and and always introducing people to people, I love that. And uh, I won't mention anybody, Sherry. Um, But joining a small group, what a great way to get connected. Or joining our young adults, ministry or uh, our youth group i know this is a shameless plug but next week we have next step that's for people that wanting to get plugged into the church it's after the second service in the upper room we have lunch we have childcare. you just have to register you can go online and do that we want to connect to you. We want to pray for you. And that's why when we we, we talked about filling out a connect card or, or hitting the QR card, put your prayer request. We want to pray for you. We want to know how we can either celebrate with you or pray for you. Paul misses Timothy, and we see that in verse 4. He says, I remember your tears. I long to see you that I might be filled with joy. Now, we don't know the exact the, the the genesis of those tears, but like when you leave somebody that you love, there's tears. If you look at the end of Acts 20, when Paul leaves Miletus, he's been meeting with the elders from Ephesus. You know, says he fell on the necks of those. And there's just this, this beautiful picture of, of, of a family of love. And they just miss him. And maybe those were the tears. Maybe there was tears over just anguishing over souls or maybe they were going through some suffering whatever it was Paul says I remember your tears and I long to see you that I may be filled with joy listen there's joy when you come together with Christ's family I mean Pam and I had a great week a week ago up in Park City we loved it we had a lot of fun we flew back on Sunday but I'm telling you we missed our church we we were so happy to get back I mean the temperature was a little nicer up there but but still, it's not the same. We'd rather be with our family. So be encouraged. You're loved by God. You're loved by your family. But third, you have the gift of God. You have the gift of God. Look at verse 5. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I'm sure dwells in you as well. And he reminds he reminds Timothy of the legacy of faith he's a part of. Now, we know that Timothy was pretty crushed at this point. We don't know what it was. But what's Timothy, what's Paul doing for Timothy? He's refocusing on the Lord. See, so often we can be overwhelmed with what's going on in our own world. And, 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 and we... We stop thinking about what Christ has done for us. And, and so he goes, I want to remind you of the faith of your grandmother and your mother that's now passed on to you. And we know that it was a sincere faith. That, that, that word sincere it means without hypocrisy. There is no pretense. It was a word meaning it's validated or certified. It was used in the markets. They would, because sometimes you know, they, they would sell pot. It's not like pot they sell today. Medical. These, these were just pots. And if a pot broke, that was a lot of money. So what they would do is sometimes they would take wax and they would kind of put it back together and then paint over it and then put it up. But what they would have is inspectors come by and look at it in the, in the, in the uh, light. And if they could see a line, they would say, this is, this is not sincere. This is, this is, but if it was good, they would say it's sincere. It's without wax. That's the word here. He says, I see your sincere faith. Timothy's faith was genuine, but sometimes we need to be reminded of our faith in the gospel. Some of you today may just need to be reminded of your faith. Go back to the time where by faith, you trusted in Jesus. You turned from your sin. God gave you a new heart. He gave you a new nature. Sometimes we could just, it could be business. It could be the praise of men, whatever it is. That, and you just need to hear a message of the fact that you've got this faith and you need to, you need to get back in a right focus on the Lord. And, and, you know, what I was thinking about this is the importance of parents and grandparents creating a legacy of faith in your families. Some of you are really good at this. One of the reasons we provide you every week through our children's ministry Daily devotions for your children. It's because we want you to be pouring into your children. We aren't responsible for that. We want to come alongside and help you with that. Take what they're providing you in children's ministry and just talk about that with your kids. Develop a legacy of faith. See, at times we need to be encouraged, and at times others need to be encouraged. Let me put up second. Uh, let me put up Hebrews chapter ten says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. It's a good reminder. Let's consider how to stir up one another, not neglecting the, to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, one another, and all the more as you see the day, the day of the Lord drawing near. Sometimes you need to be stirred up, sometimes others need to be stirred up. You're being here, you're being in community with others, you're going to small, you're helping to stir up others. Tim's faith had been, Tim, my buddy, Tim, Timothy's faith had been running cold. We're kind of tight. I've been reading a lot about him for the last couple of weeks. Maybe he's overwhelmed with the pressures of life. Maybe he's just forgotten about Jesus' sacrifice for him. So Paul gives him a reminder in verse six. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Some of you today need to be reminded to fan into flame the faith that is in you because it's cooled. There's not a whole lot of fire, maybe like there was. It's the importance of coming together. I remember about a year ago, when it probably a year and a half ago, we were sitting around the fire at our house. The men were breaking out from our small group. And one of the guys, I mentioned this, and he says, how do you fan in the flame? The faith. And I pointed him to Psalm 63 and to Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams of water, so my soul pants for you. I provide him with some things to read. And in fact, that just he's there with us. This is a way to to get fired up. And the fact is, sometimes you just don't feel like it. I read a great article by Desiring God this week. Scott Hubbard says, just not feeling it, how routine awakens devotion. And sometimes we feel like, oh, I got to read my Bible and it feels It feels like I'm a Pharisee because I'm not feeling it or like, I just feel like I'm being legalistic. I get that. But sometimes routine can awaken your devotion because you may read something, maybe in Psalms that just the Holy Spirit uses to turn you back around. And Paul is encouraging Timothy to look up. He's a faithful friend. And we need faithful friends. We need people to, to stir us up. Notice what he says. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. That word gift, it's charisma. It's this gift. The gift he's been giving is salvation. It's something that, and, and we know that it was, wasn't bestowed through the laying on of hands, but it would have been just a confirmation of what God has already done in him. Now, don't raise your hand, but how many of you would honestly admit that your, your faith isn't really where it should be right now? Stir it up. Fan it into flame. Kind of like with a fire, you know, when you start spreading the logs out, it's just it's going to go out. But get back together. And, and, and again, I'm, that's one of the reasons why small group ministry in our church is such an important piece. Because you're not out there alone where the embers are just starting to die. You have, you have women that are coming alongside and they're pointing you back to the Lord. You have men coming alongside you as men, pointing you back to the Lord, stirring it up, fanning into flame. Now, it may take some effort, but it's worth it. Now, here's the thing. Fear may be, have been a cause of Peter's cool, of, of Timothy's cooling down. How do I know that? Well, look at verse seven. You see the word for, it's a conjunction. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and of sound mind. Timothy may have been struggling with fear and that fear was quenching the spirit. That fear does not come from God. It comes from somewhere else besides God. Fear of failure, fear of loss, fear of what people think, fear of the Cardinals having a bad season, which they will, maybe. How many of you have struggled with fear? Know this, it's not from God. So if God didn't give you fear, what did God give you? Well, notice what it says. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. God gave you power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1 reminds us that the minute we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are sealed until the day of redemption. I think that's Ephesians 1, 12 and 13. You have all the Holy Spirit you ever need, but sometimes you need to stir it up. That's why Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 says, Do not be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit stir it up. Be challenged by others. God gave you power. Need to tap into it. Some some of you may be fearful about your marriage or your job or your finances, your relationship. But but God gives you the power through the Holy Spirit to live as He wants you to live, to love as He wants you to love. But not only did God give you power, God gave you love. Look at that's the second thing. He says, but of, of of power and of love. That word love, it's it's the word agape. It's unconditional love. God's given you the power to love unconditionally. What does that mean? It's loving without condition. Listen, Pam and I are getting ready to celebrate 33 years. Yeah, no kidding, man. It's like, it's a miracle. (laughs) Because she's married to me. True story. But she knows, even when I'm an idiot... It can happen. She used to love me unconditionally, without condition. And even when there's times where I don't like her as much as I should, I love her unconditionally. See, love is not a feeling. Agape is not a feeling. It's a, it's a verb. It's something we do. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for Love unconditionally. Wives, love your husbands. Respect your husbands. If you're not, you're being unbiblical. God has given you the power to do that. But be encouraged not only because God gave you power and God gave you love, but also God gave you self-control. It's a word discipline or sound mind. As Christians, we've been given sound minds. We've been given self-control and discipline. This has the idea of thinking rationally under constraint. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. God has given you self-control. Exercise it. All right. Let me ask you, are you struggling with fear? Or timidity? Are you struggling to love? Are you struggling... In your faith, are you struggling because of sin? Focus on the gospel. That's what Paul's reminding Timothy. Focus on the gospel. Be reminded of God's love for you poured out on the cross. Think about that. Listen, when we focus on the gospel, it helps us get our priorities in place. We think of the things of God and not the things of self. Be encouraged by the gifts, the resources that God has given you. Be reminded of God's goodness in your life, of his promises. Just close your eyes and see the cross, the empty cross. See the empty grave. Let that inform how you live, how you love. Reflect on the evidence of his goodness. Second Timothy are Paul's last words to Timothy. But we should listen to them as if they're God's words to us and Paul's last words to us. And so, for the same reasons that Timothy would have been encouraged by this letter, you can be encouraged. Why? Because you're loved by God and you're loved by your family. And you have the gift of God. I'm going to ask our worship team to come up. And as they do, I want to just take a moment and have you reflect on a couple of things. First of all, I want you to reflect on your faith. Is your faith where it needs to be? And if it isn't, I'm just going to have you bow your heads right now. Just close your eyes for a minute. Don't fall asleep. But be honest with God. If your faith isn't what you know it should be, if you're not living out your your walk with Christ the way you know it should be, just be honest with God. Say, God, I I confess that. I confess that. And Lord, this is not where I want to stay. I want to fan into flame the faith that I know is in me. Surround me with other people. Let me put myself in with other people that are going to challenge me to fan my faith, my faith my faith into flame. Maybe some of you have never received Jesus as Lord and Savior. And today, you know, God is calling you to himself and you want to have assurance of his salvation. You, you want to know that you know, that you know that nothing can separate you from his love. And the only way that that happens is, is by turning from your sin, confessing your sin, turning, and that's called repentance and putting your faith in the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ the rest of us let's just focus on the goodness of god because he is a good god he's a loving god he's an all-knowing all-powerful all-present god father thank you for your grace for your mercy for the peace that's been been bestowed upon us because of our faith in jesus lord i pray that uh, we would take these truths And we would apply them even to our lives right now. Father, uh, help us to be the aroma of Christ to those that are perishing and to those that are being saved. Father, we thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together.